Magnificent Morning, folks. This is Jay Jameson with Her Story Podcast. Her is an acronym for Heroic, Empowering, and Resilient. And this is a self-improvement, self-acceptance, and women empowerment podcast. My main purpose is to encourage, empower, and motivate all women by highlighting their personal stories of triumph over adversity. Each of us has a story. Maybe it's an illness, a financial burden, or a dead-end job. In general, unforeseen circumstances can make you feel isolated or alone. But when you feel like you've hit rock bottom, it doesn't mean that it is the end of your story. It is often within the darkest nights we produce the brightest stars. There are women out there who have gone through the very same barriers you are facing today, but they didn't give up. In fact, they used their difficulties to mold them into strong and resilient women. And if they can break through their hardships, so can you. Because you are her, heroic, empowering, and resilient. And welcome, 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 welcome. Um, good morning, everyone. Super excited to introduce you to a magnificent, empowering guest. Um, she's even one of my sorors and uh, a fellow HBCU alum. So super excited for that connection. But I do want to introduce you all to Amy, born and raised in Cherry Hill, New Jersey, a graduate of the Virginia State University, where she obtained her bachelor's degree in psychology, master's degree in biology. She also went on to earn a master's degree in health informatics and data analytics. While at VSU, Amy was fortunate enough to pledge the Alpha Epsilon chapter of Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated, as well as hold the prestigious position of VP of Student Affairs and VP of Psy Chi Honor Society. Amy, thank you so much for joining us today. How are you? I am well. How are you? I am doing fine, doing fine. So you're a woman of many accolades, um, many different accomplishments. So I do want to get into that a little deeper because there's so much that you're doing, um, very, very uh, a wide, broad span of things that you're into. So excited just to get more details about your journey and who you are. So um First of all, you know, I love my HBCUs. I support all HBCUs because I myself, I think that, you know, we produce greatness at HBCUs, right? We're magical. We're often underfunded. But with the resources that we have, we have a wide span um, group of alumni and successful careers and all of those things. And so we deserve the recognition. And I graduated from the Southern University in A&M College in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and a fall 2009 initiate of the Beta Psi chapter of Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated. So, so happy for that connection. HBCU grads, um, sorors as well. So just tell me a little bit about your backstory and what actually led you to attend VSU, because I'm, I'm not sure of... Um, you know, the distance w within Jersey and Virginia and what type of community um, you actually came from in Jersey. Uh, I personally came from a small country rural area. Southern University was pretty much embedded in me since birth because of my parents and their connection to the school. But what led you to Virginia State University? Yeah, so um, like you said, I grew up in Cherry Hill, New Jersey, um, and I lived there basically until I went to Virginia State. Um, Cherry Hill is a very, not, it's diverse. I will say it's diverse. But um, there's a lot of different cultures there. But 
the school that I went to was primarily Caucasian. Um, and my father, they, my parents picked that, that town because of the school district. Um, the school district was very good, and they didn't want us to lack any way in our education. Um, so I was 13 years old, and my dad came home. He worked in New York City, and he came home, and he was like, my job wants us to move to Richmond, Virginia. And my parents did not want to take away our education from in Cherry Hill. They wanted me to stay there. So my mom and dad decided to just have two households. My dad would relocate to Richmond, Virginia, and I would and I would stay with my mother in New Jersey so to finish my education. Um, so we did that, but very much I'm a daddy's girl. And I wanted to be closer to my father. Um, so with that being said, I started to look at schools in the Richmond Tri City area, and um, Virginia State um, came up, um, and I took a tour. And the ironic thing is, my current boyfriend now is was my tour guide. Wow. And he ate a of Virginia State, me and my father. And, you know, I, I, I did, it wasn't, I'm not going to lie, it wasn't my first choice at first. Um, and then I went back for orientation, and then they had the student leaders, and they had the woo-woos, and they had the band. And I was like, okay, this is giving me a little bit more of a college experience. But it was definitely a, a little bit of a culture shock. Right. Um, coming from Cherry Hill to going to Virginia State. Um, and then finally I was like, you know what, I'm going to take, I'm going to take, a, I'm going to take this risk. I'm going to, I'm going to go to Virginia State. It felt like home. Right. When I was there, it was different. Like there was more people were embracing you. Um, as soon as you walked onto the campus, there was teachers who looked like me right. with hair like mine. Yes. Um, that were most me and were able to show me that, hey, you could be a strong woman in these leadership roles. And I feel like I lacked that in Cherry Hill. I saw it, but I didn't have these women behind me pushing me all the time with my education. So that's what really led me to Virginia State. Um, yeah, and then I went there and it, it took off from there. It, that really, that's a piece, having uh, female mentors and people that look like you striving for greatness and pushing you and supporting you. Yes, like representation definitely matters. Um, I have a very similar backstory as well. You know, uh, I grew up in a small rural community, but I went to Catholic school from preschool through 12th grade. Um, you know, majority uh, white institutions all throughout, pretty much being the only black girl within my class. And so, uh, as I stated, Southern University was pretty much, you know, it was embedded in me since birth, but there also was another college that I wanted to go to as well, you know, like Louisiana State University. So when I initially went on Southern University's campus, my mom took me, you know, the back way, right? The back way through Scotlandville, which is the community that surrounds Southern University, like through back through the tracks, you know. And when I took that route, I was like, Mom, I'm like, I'm I'm not going here. I'm going to LSU. And my dad looked at me dead in the face. He was like, unless you get a full scholarship or full ride to LSU, you are going to Southern University and you are going to embrace this HBCU experience. And it was ironic because 
because my father didn't even graduate from an HBCU. He went to Nichols University, um, which is a PWI, you know, but just what you said, the, it was a culture shock ultimately because there was those feelings growing up of being ostracized, right? Um, being afraid not to fit in with your uh, white counterparts as you were in school and things like that. But you were fully embraced when you were on campus and having that experience, having people who look like you, who represent who you are. So I definitely connect with you with that. And it it that experience within itself led me to be a part of so many different organizations, you know, being Greek, being an SGA, being this freshman. I also was a part of um, the recruitment team on campus. So I gave tour guides like you mentioned that your uh, current boyfriend does now. So it definitely gives you just a, a sense of acceptance and just being a part of something much greater than yourself. So thank you for sharing that. Thank you. Right, right. I'm loving it. I am loving it. Um, I I won't lie though, but when I did get to Virginia State, it was a little rough. I was a little bit sheltered. I didn't want to lose focus. Um, but then I, I got into it, definitely. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely, I think that it's difficult for many at first. And it just takes that, it, it takes you having to buckle down and really remain focused within itself. Um, and, you know, I also want to touch you having, you know, many, many degrees. I have a, a master's and in uh, public administration. My bachelor's is in political science, but that was a journey within itself. Like me trying to figure out what was my passion and what was my purpose. I think that's very difficult at 17 and 18 years old when you're a freshman or, or approaching college and, you know, other adults in your life, of course, they tell you to focus, choose something that you love, not necessarily something that will make you the most money. But that's that's difficult for someone to make that decision being a teenager. And um, my journey trying to figure out what my passion and purpose was, was something that I ultimately didn't really honestly discover until I was in grad school, getting my master's and trying to figure out like, what was that next step after that? So um, what really, you you know, led you to psychology and biology? And was that, what was your ultimate career path or your career goal during that time? I personally wanted to be a lawyer. I wanted to be an attorney, but that was only because it was, quote unquote, a good professional career. And it wasn't something that I took the time to actually research or to figure out if it was something that I would love. I started with political science because I was told that was the degree that you should choose to be an attorney, political science or criminal justice, not really knowing you can choose whatever degree and still get into law school. I began working in a law office and things like that, taking classes for the LSAT. But I wasn't passionate about it. So it wasn't a career that I really wanted to fulfill. But um, it seems like you have a a well-rounded career. So you started off in psychology and biology. Was that your ultimate goal when you were in college? So I started off with psychology because I loved it. I excelled. I took a psychology course in high school. In high school, I excelled with it. I was interested in it. I loved it. It was easy to learn. Um, now the biology came from my parents, you know, how you have your parents like, well, be a doctor, Mm -hmm. go, go to med school, which I was interested in it, but 
the, the learning did not come as easy. I was able to do well, but I was able to take do what I had to do to take a test. And it was kind of like, it, I wasn't passionate about it. I really, really wasn't. But I did love healthcare, and I do love helping people. My mom works in healthcare, and I've watched her my whole life. So I knew it's something that I definitely love to do. Um, but then technology is changing, and being like a millennial and all of this stuff, I was like, you know, there has to be more to this. So I branched into health informatics and data analytics, which is basically what is happening to the world right now with COVID-19. We're transforming our health to telehealth and we have all of this data and all of this stuff and we don't know how to use it right. and we have people who grow up in rural areas in Louisiana who can't make it to the closest hospital or the closest doctor's office because it's too far exactly um and telehealth is really transforming the way healthcare is and even though my my, my majors and degrees are kind of broad they still kind of circle back all together. So, yeah, psychology is within healthcare, and I did get my master's in biology, but a lot of my biology master's was with a lot of data. And I use that same data every day with health analytics and data analytics when it comes to determining different health outcomes for different areas. Um, so, when determining what I was going to do, I mean, I, I can say I didn't really figure it out till my second master's. I didn't even figure out how I could really pull it all together. Um, but for young girls out there, I mean, you just have to do what you love. And I wish we could teach a class on it, right. give people a little bit more, like it's just a little bit more education on it because I feel like they tell you all these things, but they don't tell you everything. And we, sh we can teach people to be entrepreneurs young too, because I feel like, I feel like it could have been a great entrepreneur years ago too, but I was scared. Because I was told that, you know, we go to school, we get our degrees and things like that. And we work nine to five, but you can be an entrepreneur and make your impact on the world as well. Definitely. And, and again, you know, the very similar experience, like just trying to figure it out and connect the dots, worried about what society says, worried about what my parents would say and all of those things. And ultimately just me personally, like the fear of waking up and, doing a nine to five and not being passionate about that. And I felt that so often, right? When I uh, went back to my first experience being a legal assistant in a law office, it was something that came natural to me, but I wasn't passionate about it. Then when I was in grad school, I ventured off into really like policy and politics and community engagement and all of those things. And I was a legislative assistant to a councilwoman, and that led me into um, programming. That led me into philanthropy. That led me into civic engagement and policy and av advocacy and activism and all of those things that it really is the embodiment, embodiment of who I am today and my involvement within the community and all of those things. But um, it took a while to get there. It really took a while to get there. And so pausing on you being a healthcare professional, but now, as you mentioned, balancing all of those other things, being a serial entrepreneur. So you are now the owner of AC Events and co-owner of Pixar Us Photo Booth. And as you said, you know, it's a, a career that isn't really traditional. Um, when I look at healthcare professionalism and event planning and all of those things, they're on two total different ends of the spectrum. And I'm pretty sure it is difficulty in trying to balance the two. So 
when did you really discover, I guess, your passion for event planning or being an entrepreneur? Or, you know, do you consider this uh, a quote unquote side hustle? Or is it something that you're just as equally passionate about within your initial career goal? Like, how do you balance the two? So I would say is I'm just as passionate as with my businesses as I am my my career, and um, I do call it my side hustle though because I it's my events and photo booth is majority on the weekends. Um, I'm very very lucky to be at the point where I don't have to always work my events. I have a really good team that can work the events for me. Um, but balancing it all, I mean, I'm, I have a lot of organization and I write I write everything down and it's you know you have to prioritize you really really do. Um, but you make time for what you love to do. Right. Um, so if, 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 if it's something you're passionate about, you're going to make time to do it. And it takes discipline. And I will say that a lot of entrepreneurs, we wake up early in the morning, especially ones who work full-time jobs. Some days I'm up at 4, 4.30 in the morning. Because guess what? I need to do my entrepreneur work and make sure that everything is lined up before taking the time to do my full-time. And um, I will go back to our last question really quickly is that, like you said, I didn't find my um, my passion in healthcare immediately. And you have to be willing to sometimes do the jobs no one wants to do. Right. I mean, I had to in healthcare at a job that I didn't really love, but I was able to work myself up into a position that I have a lot of love for now. And being able to do that, I'm in the position that I am now, I'm able to juggle both this and doing photo booth and doing event planning at the same time. Yes, yes. And so, you know, that that's the beauty within it all. And really going back to the connection of you have to be passionate about something in order to put in the work, in order to get it done. Um, social media and society this day and age, you know, they highlight the come up, the hi- they highlight being a serial entrepreneur, but people don't really focus on the actual journey and the dedication that it takes. Like those long hours are not easy at all. And it's difficult when you're trying to wake up and work on your personal projects, when you're still trying to fit in a relationship or being a wife or a mother, when you're still trying to fit in being, you know, healthy or working out and all of those things. There are still deadlines and all of those things to be met. And there's still this stigma around starting something new. You know, there's the fear of it all. There's the feel the fear of failure. And even um like your family and friends may not necessarily support you at the very beginning. Um, one of my other businesses is Closet Fitness with a K, okay, <laughs> but um, Closet <laughs> Fitness, and it's an online fitness apparel store because I have a personal connection with working out and coming into my own and self-acceptance and beauty and all of those things, but what was difficult for me, um, one, I will say that I was blessed to have family, friends, and a circle that did support me, but at the time, one of my closest friends didn't necessarily really support my business, right? And that was difficult for me to overcome because, for instance, it's a a fitness apparel store, quality material, but here she is rocking Fabletics and all these different things and other brands, which 
you can't, I'm not hating on it. You know what I'm saying? But it was difficult for me because it's like, okay, you know, I'm one of your closest friends and there's still not that connection to that support. But I I had to learn that, you know, some people are going to support you. Some people are not those that you really think are going to support you. They may be the, the most reluctant, the ones that don't really support you. So like, what advice would you even tell someone who's interested in taking that risk, but just, they're just afraid of beginning something entirely new or they're just afraid of not having that backbone or the support of those who they think that are in their corner, but they ultimately aren't there to support their new projects. Right. That's a, that's a great question. And that's hard. I mean, as what I tell people who want to start businesses is, Hey, just do it. I mean, get your ducks in a row and do it. I mean, you don't have time to think about the what ifs, I mean, you could come up with a SWOT analysis all you want, but listen, what's going to happen is what's going to happen. Right. And every bump you go through is going to make you stronger and better for the next time that there's an error or something happens along the road. And guess what? Some people aren't going to support you. But guess what? Some people are going to support you. Most and you definitely. will be surprised how people who aren't your friends support you. And unfortunately, I have learned that once those people who don't know you support you and your friends see that, they start to jump on the bandwagon too. Right. Um, but the way into it was that I didn't care if anyone supported me. I made personal goals for myself monthly, and as long as I met those goals, I was happy about it. Um, but I will say there's days that I've cried because of the amount of people who reposted me referred referred somebody to me or even booked me because at the end of the day it's it's still astonishing how like how much support you can get from people that you didn't even know who were watching you right so and and that's why it's so important to keep going you know it's so important to keep going because you don't know who you're influencing you don't know who you who you're really reaching you know your your career path your business or whatever it can touch masses, but you have to believe with it. You have to believe in yourself. Yeah, you really, you really, really have to. And another thing, you brought something great: social media. Being active on social media is really, really important. And I have to say that during the quarantine, I have slowed down a little bit because I've been very tired, and I know everyone has been tired. But showing people that you're serious about your business, having a website, is serious. It's so, so important. Show people you are serious about your business and they will respect your business and they will respect what you are trying to do. Most definitely. Yes. Um, You know, when folks see that you are consistent, it definitely means that you're serious about what you have going on. Like you cannot overpost yourself or, you know, you cannot um, be afraid to continuously highlight yourself on your own social media platform. It's you, it's your business, it's your baby, it's what you have. So if you're not going to support yourself, then why should someone else invest into your business? So that's definitely a very good point. Um, And so how can people reach you on social media and what is your website? Um, So for event planning, it's basically my name, my first first name and middle name, amycynthiaevents.com on IG Amy Cynthia events and then for photo booth it's fixerrustphotobooth.com 
And on IG, it's Picks R Us, but there's underscores. So it's P-I-X underscore R underscore U-S. And you're currently still in Richmond, Virginia, correct? We're cur- Yeah, I am currently still in Richmond, Virginia, but we do events all up and down the East Coast for both. So we travel. Okay, folks, well, there you have it. Amy, you know, shout out to her doing her thing in Virginia, but she is all over the East Coast. So if you are interested in any one of her projects, I definitely encourage you to reach out to her. Thank you again, Soror, for joining us today on Her Story Podcast. I really appreciated you telling your story and going into those difficult moments, but still the importance of believing within yourself throughout it all. So thank you. No, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. No problem. And folks, in closing, always remember your story is not solely for you. It is meant to be shared with other women and provide hope to those facing similar hurdles. You don't have to be ashamed and you definitely don't have to be afraid to share. You are a victor. You are a winner and you will not be defeated. You declare growth and prosperity over your life and troubles don't last always. You are brilliant, bold, and beautiful. You are her, heroic, empowering, and resilient. So thank you all again for tuning in today. If you are encouraged, uplifted, or empowered in any way, please share this episode of Her Story Podcast. You can listen on SoundCloud, Google Play, Apple Podcasts. Please visit my Instagram at herstory underscore podcast. And again, this is Jay Jameson with Her Story Podcast, and we're out. <laughs>